0: What's up everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanReg Sports. My name is Sebastian Oren. With me is Elliot Niblock. No Polly today. We're Polly Less. He's been enjoying himself in Texas over the weekend. So um, he was not in uh, in shape. Oh
1: that's right. I totally yeah. blanked on him going to Austin.
0: Oh yeah. So he's probably been doing everything but watching soccer. So quite understandable there as he was at a wedding. So, um, yeah, you're stuck with me and Elliot today. Uh, We're going to talk about what happened between Leicester and Everton as it was the first game for Claude Puel as Leicester manager. Burnley taking a nice win over Newcastle. And then we'll check in on the teams at the top of the table. And then in the second part of the show, we'll take a look ahead at the Champions League. So there you have it. Okay, let's kick things off then. Leicester 2, Everton nothing. Goals by Jamie Vardy and then Damari Gray. I mean, they graciously gave him the goal on that one. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That was very nice of them. I mean, that was obviously an own goal by John Joe Kenny.
1: Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, to be fair, it's I almost feel as though his effort previously and the quality of the Vardy goal was such that it was just like, it seemed deserved, you know, because Gray did so much in that move that ultimately led playing the, I mean, honestly, it looked like a flashback to championship Leicester, right? Like playing it really well on the counter working hard down that right-hand flank, playing it to Mahrez with a great ball into Vardy. You know, that was—it was just textbook counterattack, right? Like you're, you will see that reproduced time and time again in tactical manifestos. So, yeah, Gray maybe didn't deserve a goal, but overall his performance was such that, you know— He he was good enough, even if he didn't get on the score sheet, to be close to man of the match that day.
0: Yeah, maybe it will make John Joe feel a little bit better too because he was clearly distraught after that. Uh, That goal was the 2-0 goal that came in the 29th minute. Vardy opened up the scoring in the 18th, so he has six goals on the year here now. And with Claude Paul coming in as new manager for Leicester, we saw a switch in system. It was a 4-4, and then... (sighs) Morris playing behind Vardy. So a 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one. And uh, Gray was one of the players that came into the team. And I think they looked really, really good.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I agree entirely. I mean, I think this is a battle of two teams looking to change their fortunes. And it looks certainly like Leicester are... I mean, and obviously, you know, Leicester haven't had as rough a go of it as Everton have to begin with, despite changing managers. I I think that... It is. Boy, things are really, even though this was at the King Power, things at Goodison Park are about as bad as they've been in a long time.
0: Yeah, Everton also made some changes. They also played a Uh, 4-4-1-1. I think Morales and Lennon came into the team, if I'm not totally mistaken. Uh, Try to get some width there, but at the same time, then you leave yourself exposed a little bit more in the middle of the pitch. And the defending from Everton in this game was lackluster to say the least
1: yeah i mean it's it's hard to imagine everton going down right it is oh yeah and i still think that you know considering they're currently sitting in a relegation spot with a goal differential eight goals worse than the team ahead of them in swansea i nonetheless think that they're pretty good value for money to bet that they stay up but but the you know that's a lot of that is describing the mystique of this club, the quality that they have in the squad. But otherwise, things don't look that great. I mean, they're they're fixing to be in a relegation scrap unless things change dramatically, and they certainly haven't since firing the manager.
0: No, I mean, luckily for them, though, you know, between Southampton in tenth and Bournemouth in nineteenth, there is only a six point difference. So, I mean, you pick up two wins on, uh, you know, in a row and you're you can jump way way up. Yeah. So, luckily for them, it's still really close, you know, at the mid-half to the bottom half of the table. So I mean,
1: yeah, we're not, we're only just barely a quarter of the way through the season.
0: Yeah, we're we're a tiny so. bit over a quarter into the season now with 10 games played. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's you're starting to see you know, some form of, okay, well, this is sort of a where we can expect teams to land. There's always going to be changes, of course, but you start to see the trends here now. And I feel like 10 games is a large enough of a sample size to sort of see where teams are at and what they are, sort of the identity of the team. Yes, they can always change if you bring in a different manager and stuff like that. Uh, but with Everton, I mean, not much seem to have changed right now. I'm, I know that they fired Koeman lifted up the assistant manager uh but is that gonna be enough? I, I I don't know. I think they need someone to come in here
1: if Do they... you think some do you think that they will bring somebody else in if results tend continue to go this way? I mean I think that yeah to my mind the question is not, yeah, it's not if but but when. Like yeah. How I mean how many times do you have to keep hitting the panic button button and how much harder do you keep hitting it? If they continue to lose games and lose games in relatively abysmal fashion, right? You know,
0: yeah, and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, if you take a look at you know the upcoming um, the upcoming games in the World Cup qualifiers, so that's coming up here in roughly a week and a half, a little bit under, um, I think. Right or no? Am I blanking on then?
1: I don't know what World Cup qualifiers even are, Seb. I've blocked that memory out entirely. Uh,
0: let's see here. Yeah, November 9th is the first, uh, or a couple of the first legs. So, a week and a half. Uh, you know, if you can get someone in during that time, if you can get someone in, or I mean sooner, preferably, but at least if you can get them in so that they have that international break, because Everton won't have too many players going, uh, get those in so they can work with the team and then try to you know sort of you yeah. going with a clean slate for the rest of the season,
1: well, and i i'm you know i'm I'm asking these leading questions, but
0: <laughs> no thats I, fine.
1: I actually i'm curious, you know I was asking you like if they're gonna change the manager uh, I would suspect that they're they're out there fishing right now for another replacement yeah, and who? the board just, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I, I don't think the board knows either, but I think that this was kind of, a, an unhappy medium, right? Halfway happy mm-hmm. to decide that there's nobody who is an immediate candidate. Who's jumping out at us right now. We don't want to knee jerk, hire someone, and then regret that three match days down the road. What we can do is promote from within and then see what happens. I mean, I think unless, especially after losing to Leicester this weekend, right, unless they win their next three games on the trot, I would expect by the time we've played 14 Premier League matches, Everton will have a new manager. Yeah.
0: I mean, the the thing is, too, that, and that sort of leads into the second game here. Uh, Burnley taking a one nothing win over Newcastle. Sean Dyche has been heavily linked with the Everton job. And, I mean, Jimmy Carragher said that, you know, he must take it if it's offered. Uh, Neville Gary Neville says that, you know, Burnley must do everything they can to keep him. And I would be more inclined for Burnley to just say, name your price and stay and get an improved deal. I, I'm not sure that Dyche has to take the Everton job if it's offered to him.
1: No, I mean... And I don't know why he would, right? Like, you're managing a Premier League side. And and I I know that I was just speaking about, you know, the amount of weight that Mystique as a club does or does not carry, should or should not carry you know we can debate that but Everton is a quote-unquote bigger club than Burnley but you know what Burnley have played way better than them and they're in the premiership so if you're if you're a Premier League manager I don't know why any Premier League manager would take the Everton job it just doesn't make it would make no sense to me right like it's a club that are behind only Crystal Palace in terms of overall shambolic performances versus expectation this season and why you would want to leave another side in the best league in the world in order to take care of one that is, as I said, smashing that panic button. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't think that Sean Dyche should even consider leaving The pundits are always going to say that because they know Everton's got a big fan base and they don't want to hear that people would turn down a trip to Goodison Park from Turf Moor, but I don't care. You're winning. Keep winning. It
0: is a bigger club, like you said, and it's a club that holds itself at a very high, you know, high regard.
1: Yeah. They they
0: They see themselves as a club that's, you know, being on the cusp to compete for a Champions League spot. And I think that... They need to temper their expectations a bit here. That that has been the problem. So after you know they've had a couple of good seasons where they finished in fifth and sixth and seventh, then yeah, you saw a couple of down years, eleventh, eleventh, and then back to seventh last year. But this, it, unless you spend absorbent amounts of money, you're not going to be able to challenge for a top. I would say top five.
1: No, I mean, that's, that is the, uh, well, yes and no. That is the the rule that defines the reality of the markets in the Premier League today. But the team we were just discussing, who just handily beat Everton, flouted that rule and lifted the trophy in the very recent past.
0: Yes. so One in a million. I mean, one in a yeah. million.
1: Well, yeah, but it, I mean, it can be done. So it's, They proved the critics wrong, but that doesn't mean that the critics don't have a point. And that's why I say it's the rule of the market, right? Because markets never behave precisely as they are predicted to by economists. And yet the rules of economics still govern a reality that we all live inside of, even if nobody knows exactly what's going on or what's going to happen, either in terms of the football pitch or the market. Yeah,
0: And I mean, they've only made, you know, if you take a look at it, they are seeing themselves as a bigger club. You know, if you only made it, yes, you're in the Europa League group stage now, you're in a bad shape to make things worse. And I mean, that's only the second time in the past seven or eight years that you managed to get to the Europa League. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with Everton. Uh, and if they get a new manager in here sooner rather than later. Uh, if we take a look at the top of the table, Manchester City still in the lead, 28 points. After a 3-2 win over West Brom, you did not have any faith that West Brom would score in this one. I thought they could. They scored one too many, though. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is true.
0: And I think I had Man City at four. Yeah, four-one. That was my prediction. Uh, but I, I still a fairly comfortable win here. The second goal for West Brom came in stoppage time. Uh, Sane, Fernandinho, and Sterling on the scoring sheet here. So it's not just Aguero and uh, little Gabriel that scores the goal. So that's that's good for City to get some say, You know, you talk in hockey, you talk secondary scoring. Uh, so, sort of the same thing here. You get a couple other players to chip in. And I mean, it it was vital that United took that 1 0 win over Tottenham because it is feeling more and more like it's a one horse race here.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're – well, we'll see. I mean, they're not – they're just not conceding goals. I mean, and and that's what Pep Guardiola's city did last year. You know, they bled goals at times you didn't expect them to, at times you thought they shouldn't. They spent money to show up their defense, and they have, I think – Inarguably, the best attacking side in the league. Like United, has also hit teams for four goals on occasion this season.
0: Yeah, but, but... they don't. They don't look as lethal as City do, game in, game out. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, exactly. Well, and and beyond that, just look at their managers, right? Yeah. Like the philosophy of Pep is always going to be fundamentally more on the front foot than the philosophy of Mourinho.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that that sort of plays into part now too, where you know United, they they had that scoreless draw against Liverpool. And then they stumbled against Huddersfield. I think, you know, that sort of... Mourinho sort of goes back into his shell a little to make a weird turtle analogy. And he sort of, you know, saves a bit. And I mean, it turned out well against Tottenham. They got a one nothing win after, a you know, a nice little play there from De Gea who knocked the ball up to Lukaku who used his aerial prowess. And then Martial came... That, I mean, that header was a perfect pass... And then Martial ran between the defenders and then slotted it home and it was a one-nothing win. So, you know, that's sort of what they had to to do in order to beat a Tottenham side who's very good going forward, even without Harry Kane. So United City in the second, five points behind City. For Spurs, it was their second loss of the season. They're in third with 20 points. Chelsea occupying the fourth spot after a one-nothing win over Bournemouth on the road. Ed and with their lone goal in that one. Bournemouth you know they they're fighting at the bottom there, but you know they can take some positives out of this game. Losing one nothing to Chelsea isn't the worst thing in the world. Arsenal sitting in fifth place after two to one win over Swansea. Um, Kolasinac and Ramsey with the goals. How happy were you to see Ramsey score?
1: You know I was I was happy to see Ramsey score, and it was his fiftieth goal. You know in an Arsenal shirt, I should say. Full credit to him, the little Welsh Jesus. I've always liked him. I mean, he's he's struggled to reproduce the goal-scoring form that he enjoyed a couple years back. But to me, him getting on the score sheet, yeah, it's nice. It's all well and good. When you really reemerge as that remarkable goal force from midfield, I'll be happy. But I think that Sied Kolosniak, the brick toilets, the Bosnian train. He is 100% the man of the match for this. I mean, yeah, he got a goal and an assist, but not only did he get the goal that was an equalizer, not only was it a great, you know, aware rebound effort, but he's also done that already three times this season for Arsenal. And one of the things that you talk about when the team goes down 2-1 and then or goes down 1-0 and then comes back to win is like blah, 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 character, fortitude, and... You know, there's something to that, but I think that when he so frequently is the one who gets that equalizing goal in such a small sample size of matches with the cannon on his chest, like, you want to talk about character, clearly this is a team that at times has lacked it, but he has more frequently had it than not. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to see Ramsey score, but this is the bosnians headlines and i think we're going to be seeing many more of those this season so long as he stays fit
0: time for our break here when we come back we'll talk a little bit about liverpool and their game against huddersfield and then we'll also take a look at the champions league where liverpool is taking part so stick around and we'll be right back and we're back liverpool took a three nothing win at home against Huddersfield, nice for them to keep a clean sheet. It was scoreless at halftime, but then Sturridge, Firmino, and Vilnaldum scored for the Reds in the second half. So a you know rather comfortable 3-0 win in the end. Taking a look at their Champions League group, though. They top Group E with five points. Same amount of points at Sparta-Moscow, and one point ahead of Sevilla. And then bottom of the table is Maribor. And um, Liverpool play... Maribor, at home, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So this is a golden opportunity for them. They hit him for seven in the away game. Yeah. God. So, I mean, logic would sort of say that they can easily hit him for seven at home too.
1: Oh, uh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I yes and no.
0: <laughs> seven, <laughs> that, that, seven. If you
1: isolate one variable of more frequent success at home versus away, then yeah, but... The facts of the game, and it's funny. Today is the anniversary of the five-seven game between Reading and Arsenal, and but still, scoring seven goals is an improbable thing.
0: I mean, I would I would gladly lay a bet on at least five goals in this one.
1: Oh yeah, I five goals total, or five goals for Liverpool?
0: Uh, five goals for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I mean, Maribor is going to be fired up to show—I don't know—a little more metal. Speaking of <sighs> that, tangible of character. I, yeah, I, I would be shocked if Liverpool scored less than three. I wouldn't be surprised if they scored. It's funny to say this, but I'm going to as few as four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, switching over to Group A, Manchester United sit at the top, nine points. You know, three wins in a row here. Eight goals scored, one allowed. They beat Benfica 1-0 in their last game. Now they, it's the reverse fixture there. So at home to Benfica on Tuesday. And, I mean, Benfica, that's, you know, they, they're skilled, still without a point in this tournament. But they're not a bad side.
1: No, that's the thing. And it's too bad for Man supporters because I feel like if this fixture happened a month ago, then I would say the Red Devils are going to hit them for four. And they still might, right? But, you know, we've discussed it on this podcast before that like the Mourinho fundamentally defensive philosophy, which he to borrow your, (laughs) your phrase uh, turtles into a lot of the time is just something that I I feel like mentally it can be hard to shake, right? It's hard to say we're going to put up, A concrete wall at the back and we're going to defend, defend, and pray for a point at Anfield. We're going to defend, defend, and hope to beat Tottenham 1-0, which, you know, to their credit, they did. And then say, okay, well now we're playing quote-unquote lesser opposition or a team that maybe we're not quite as afraid of their attacking prowess. And so just go out there and play more freely and score goals in the way we've seen that this United team can do. But, I, I don't know, from just a mental perspective in terms of that switch of strategy week to week. And at this point, not even week to week, few days to few days. Uh, The quality in the side says they could hit him for four. The kind of mental preparation leads me to believe it won't be – quite that high-flying a victory, but I'd be shocked if Benfica takes anything away from Old Trafford.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, too, that depending on what happens in that other game between Basel and Sheshka Moscow, uh, you know, if United take a win here and Basel beat Moscow, then they're through to the next round. If they get a point and Basel beat Moscow, they they're through to the next round.
1: Yeah, that's boy. I that that is an interesting qualification scenario.
0: So God. and and Basel won the game in Moscow 2 nothing, and now they play Sheshka at home. That's how you're supposed to say. It. You're is, not you're not is, supposed to say CSKA Moscow. Sheshka. A
1: Sheshka. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, you're a resident linguist here cause well, that really that I <laughs> that I've actually
0: like been harped at because I people <laughs> people on because. They have a very prominent Swedish player, and um, people are pissed that you know we keep saying CSKA. It's Ah, uh, I see. I see. So, so
1: this is flack you've been getting for your hockey podcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, that's interesting though, because you guys can qualify after what is it? The fourth match day? Yeah. Dang, that's I, I mean that is that is the dream. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, it's perfect because then I mean we know Mourinho is reluctant to change up his team too much, but then you can sort of rest players in the final two games.
1: Well, and he's he not only is he reluctant to rotate the squad, he's reluctant to play youth as well, and yes. so the combination of those two things means for a relatively stagnant eleven.
0: Yeah, but that that's the thing though. If you secure advancement here you can rest Lukaku, who desperately needs... He needs to rest. I mean, he played a pivotal part in that goal against Spurs, but the boy needs to rest. Uh, Let's move on. Group C, Chelsea at the top of that group, seven points. Roma in second with five points. Then a little bit, uh, surprisingly, Atletico Madrid in third with only two points. And then Quarabag with a single point.
1: Yeah, I feel like at this point in the Champions League... Atleti and Dortmund are the two real surprises in terms of quality sides that have driven deep into this tournament in recent years, who were just really struggling in the group stage and you know, the converse of United looking to potentially secure qualification in match day four. I mean, they're they're gonna be fighting for their lives down the stretch, no matter what.
0: Yeah. So they play Roma. They played a three three draw in the last game now it's the reverse fixture of that one so it's in rome it's on tuesday that could be i mean the first game was really fun to watch so second game hopefully it will be more of the same and uh it's good for atletico too they hope they i mean i would assume that they would hope that it e- either ends in a draw or a chelsea win and then that they take care of business against quarterback because they could move up level on points with Roma if Chelsea wins and Atletico pulls out a win. So we'll see what happens there. We already talked about Liverpool in Group E, and then Group F, Manchester City, also three straight wins, also eight goals, four and one goal against. They go on the road to... No, they play at home against Feyenoord. No. No, what am I saying? Who are they playing?
1: No, no. What are What are you saying? What Here am I, I saying? Shakhtar Yeah, that's what. I,
0: yeah, that's right. They play Napoli. Sorry,
1: and they they do play in Italy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean
0: that would be a hostile environment.
1: <laughs> yeah. No kidding.
0: To uh, um, to be. I mean, and also nicely.
1: Napoli. Yeah. i so. It's funny that we kind of have sidestepped our way into discussing this game. This is. What, okay, there have been many people talking about how the Champions League has lost its luster in the group stages in recent years, and there are you know a variety of arguments around that. Maybe it has. I don't know. But this is like this is the freaking tie of the week, and I'm upset because I'm almost a hundred percent going to be in transit driving during this match and i won't be able to see it but
0: uh that's just... when you put it on your phone and you listen to it
1: yeah yeah okay well you know i, I don't know baseball is great for the radio football maybe not so much
0: ah uh, no no no, no 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 radio is good for basically all sports
1: Okay, I'm I'm maybe I'm just betraying my status as a millennial, but but, back but to the fixture itself But it's this it's game, tough
0: though if you're watching the or I mean you're listening to the stream of the game, I mean the TV stream because then you won't yeah. get as detailed of play-by-play.
1: Oh man, frequently in my life at least watching American football, I haven't had the luxury of living in top quality league vicinity or even the vicinity of the leagues, the teams that I support domestically. Go Timbers later tonight. Shout out. Um, I haven't been able to do that, but for American football all the time, we would turn off the Fox TV commentary and put the radio on. Oh yeah. Like it'll spoil a touchdown now and again, because the radio will often be ahead of the TV, but it doesn't matter because the quality of the description is invariably higher. Oh yeah. Um, But back to this fixture, which I am so excited about. I feel like, you know, Tottenham real Madrid. Yeah. It's a bit like Tottenham real Madrid is a big game and we'll get to that, but Napoli, Manchester City. We were just talking about how City are arguably already into a one-horse race for the title in the Premier League. Napoli are also undefeated. Also undefeated with only one draw against, you know, playing with an Inter Milan behind them in Serie A. Like, this, is, this is what the Champions League should be about right and some will argue that it's been diluted in years past and that it should really just be these very top top teams in the competition to begin with but regardless this is this is going to be one of pep's hardest tests this entire campaign and boy i again it's frustrating because i will be in transit otherwise i would be posted up at some bar that would allow me to have both full screen TVs for the Napoli Man City and the Tottenham Real Madrid matches because they're both set up to be fantastic contests. And I think they're both pretty hard to
0: call. Yeah, it was 2-1 two, two in the first game between them in Manchester. So it, it will be interesting to see. I mean, Napoli did drop an away game to Chakhtar Donetsk also on uh, that was on match day one. So I mean, they need they need all the points they can get here. The city can also secure a uh, spot in the next round with a win or a draw. And then well, I, Sh- Shakhtar plays Feyenoord, who are bottom of the table here with zero points, and a negative seven in goal differential.
1: But like that dropped game, again, in Donetsk is also precisely why I think that this game is that much more interesting, mm-hmm. because Napoli are likely to play a full-strength side. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, they certainly didn't at Donetsk. (laughs) And they, you know... I mean, they came into Manchester looking to win, right? But now they're... they're, This game is great. Both of these games are going to be great. I, obviously, for personal reason, reasons hope Los Blancos show up and just blow the doors off Tottenham at, I have to keep stopping myself from saying White Hart Lane and say yes. Wembley.
0: <laughs> Wembley. Yep, that's right. Um, that's that's the gaming group H uh, there. Spurs and Real Madrid tied on seven points and uh, Dortmund I mean, that's third be, that's with a, one point. Yeah,
1: that's going to be a sold out uh, a, a sell out for Wembley. 100%. Yeah. You know, I mean that I, that's I honestly... I am loath to big up Tottenham from my position as an Arsenal supporter. But, you know, bite my cheek as I will have to do this matchup at Wembley is great. Because Tottenham have, pain me to say it though it does, a really good side. And Real Madrid coming to town to play a top four Premier League team at Wembley. My lord, if I lived in London, I would be doing my utmost
0: to get there. Yeah. I feel like they do need Hurricane back for this one if they're going to get anything out of it. Oh, uh, absolutely. They are. They are <laughs> Hurricane op- FC. Yeah, they are optimistic that he'll be able to play, so we'll see how things shake out there. Uh, that's all the time we have for you guys here today. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keats better. Polly is P. Questel. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Until then, have a good one. Bye bye.